coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. You put yours and I put mine, and we can get down low and roll it around. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain our video, imaging radio, sling and local cars, read an IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. Welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. What a fun edition we're going to have today. We are having us a, a round table or a, or a square table, as it were, because we have four people with us. Bobby Maxwell is in Cincinnati, and we have two L.A. representatives. So honored to have Krista Lewis. Krista Lewis is a voice actor who's been acting full-time since 1995. And uh, she's prolific wow. in audiobooks, <clears throat> yeah, in, in narration, <laughs> e-learning, all kinds of great stuff. She's a coach as well. John Malone is joining us as well. John is a tremendous voice actor. You might know John from the Malone Zone. And John just recently got booked for a big campaign, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of seconds. So cool. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's so awesome. But Bobby, let's, let's go yeah, to you please. first. Bobby, how are things in Cincy today? I miss everybody. I really do. It's just, I hate not being able to do the conferences and, and, you know, seeing each other. So I'm hoping this gets out of the way real soon so we can have better 2021. But business is good, surprisingly. Uh, A little slow this week, but it's been a great, it was a great August. How about you guys? Yeah, it's it's picking up a little bit, and uh, thank thank goodness for that. And uh, you know, I do worry about the fall uh, being another downturn, but uh, hopefully that won't be nearly as bad as it was in March and April and, and even May. But Krista, let's let's go to Krista. Krista, as I mentioned, is a prolific audiobook narrator. Uh, she's narrated hundreds of audiobooks. Uh, briefly, Krista, tell us how you got into voice acting, going back to 1995. Um, I'm sorry. I have onset dementia. That's just really too long ago. <laughs> no, you were a newsreader no, no, over no. in Europe, um, right? I was. I was. So I was about to leave Berlin. I was unemployed. I felt unemployable, and I was just sick of, you know, gigging around doing waitress jobs. And somebody mentioned that uh, this woman was doing a radio play and they needed somebody. She contacted me. I did the radio play. And I was just bellyaching about how I didn't have any work and I was thinking about going back to New York. And she said, oh, Deutsche Welle Television is hiring. They're looking for newsreaders. They've just gone 24 hours. And I looked at her and I said, how do you read the news? (laughs) She said, just sound like, <laughs> she was like, just sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I went, okay. So I went over to DWTV. I got an interview and I went in and I sat outside the booth and it was all fairly new to me. I was a trained stage actor and I listened to the guy in the booth ahead of me and he went, ma mama na ma, ma mama na ma, ma mama na ma. And I was like, Okay. So I went in and I copied him <laughs> and I did the news just like that. And he turned around and he just looked at me and he's like, I like that. <laughs> so that's how I got the job. Wow. And um, yeah, I worked in the news for 17 years. And then I came to LA and um, 
Yeah, it's been audiobooks and all sorts of things ever since. That's amazing. That I is... can hear I can hear you doing audiobooks. I can hear that voice. Very soothing. Oh, 100%. Oh, and, and John Malone. Uh, John, tell us, I, you know, John and I met in L.A. Uh, for Sovis in November and uh, just kind of hit it off. And, John, I, I, I've always been curious about your start. How did you get into voiceover? Well, I've been an actor most of my life since I was a kid. And, um, but I studied chemistry in college. And, uh, so (laughs) I, 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 yeah, I I mean, I was involved in theater and, uh, you know, that was my passion, but, uh, I was good at math and science. And so it just sort of seemed like, uh, a very practical way to go about your education. And so, (laughs) so when I graduated, I got a job working in a lab and, uh, um, I worked for about five years for the same company until I just decided I I, I was really happier uh, on stage. I had started doing community theater and uh, realizing that I was enjoying the uh, the rehearsals and the performances more than I was enjoying my day job. So I made mm-hmm. the brilliant decision to uh, chuck it all and move to Los Angeles to pursue uh, oh. a uh, TV and film career on camera. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, it's a tough racket as you probably know. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of struggle, uh, some ups, some downs, but one of the last things I did, uh, was to explore voiceover. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I trained, I, I did a demo and, uh, uh, I actually got a few gigs off of that demo in a short period of time. And, uh, but I was running out of steam. I was running out of money. My on-camera career wasn't <laughs> happening. And, uh, so I took a long hiatus away from it. So I really didn't get back into it. This, when, when I, when I studied first, trained first, it was maybe 2002, something like that. And I didn't really get back into it in earnest until 2016. And, uh, nice. it was then that I realized that the voiceover world was a very different world than it had been in 2002. Uh, you know, well, it wasn't about, uh, making your demo CD and mailing it to (laughs) casting directors. And it wasn't about running from studio to studio in Los Angeles anymore. Now the internet had changed everything and it just, it made it seem doable. It made it seem like something I could actually accomplish. So I, started looking into it, studying up on it, and I've been doing that ever since. So what what did you do between 2002 and 2016? <laughs> yeah. I uh was a forensic okay. I was a forensic accountant for a litigation consulting firm. <laughs> what? Nerd what? alert. Yes. N- nerd alert. Whoa. Wait a minute. Didn't you leave something important out? Didn't you go to Harvard? Uh, I, yes, I did leave that important <laughs> detail out. Um, it's, wow. That's called dropping the H-bomb, and it's considered bad oh. form. <laughs> no, it's it's called dropping the lead. You should lead oh. with yeah. that, John. <laughs> that's fantastic, though. Impressive. Mm-hmm. So are you into crime narration at all? Uh, have you gotten any gigs uh, with crime narration or anything like that? Um, no, not really. Why do you ask that? 
Well, just because the forensic because side. Because you're an accountant, oh, oh, well, <laughs> Forensic side. It's funny. When people hear forensic accounting, I work for a litigation consulting firm, so I didn't work for law enforcement. So it wasn't oh, that okay. It wasn't yeah. that kind of forensic accounting where you're following the money, although you are following the money, but it's really about supporting uh, a lawsuit. So normally oh, okay. it's, ah. it's, an, it, it's an estimate of damages or uh, a business valuation or something where some kind of financial expertise is required. Now, I'm not uh, an accountant. Uh, I'm, I, I don't have a degree in finance or economics. But uh, I do have skills with spreadsheets and building spreadsheet models. And as it turns, because I mean, in science, uh, you use spreadsheet models as well for modeling things. And as it turns out, counting molecules is not all that different from counting dollars and cents. So I just learned my way around financial statements and kind of built a starting a freelance career out of it. And then it just it grew into something that was kind of hard to turn down because it was sort of lucrative. So, uh, okay. It was it still was, not near as fun as voice acting though. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> it was, it was very stressful because, uh, litigation is high stakes. There's lots of money involved. The last case I was involved in was an intellectual property, uh, case and, uh, damages were approaching a billion with a B dollars. <gasps> right. And wow. so, uh, um, I'm not going to be the one doing the testimony since I'm not a CPA, um, but I'm the one preparing everything for our expert who's going to testify. So I'm doing the research and I'm doing the modeling and all of this stuff. And so there's a lot of pressure to not make mistakes. Uh, and uh, that just, after a while, that gets to you. So I, I left that really without a plan B. Um, and uh, it was when I started exploring voiceover and thinking that it was doable that I think I had a, uh, a forward path in my career. And so I just went for it. That's Scat Worthy. Amazing. Wow. Speaking of money talk, Bobby, why am I getting an invoice from you right now? Aren't you, aren't we doing the podcast right now? How am I getting an invoice from you? <laughs> Are you multitasking I am again? I a bookkeeper, excuse me. <laughs> and obviously Nicely she's doing her job. <laughs> Oh, goodness. That's funny. It just popped up. Yeah, it did. It was so funny. I'm like, Bobby, you're like literally talking right now. How are you? <laughs> Multitasking. Oh. So Krista and I were having a brief conversation yesterday, and we were talking about, uh, you know, how things have been in the, in the voiceover world. And Krista, how have things been for you, you know, in this pandemic age that we're in? Um, I'm very lucky at the moment um, because I got into audiobooks or audiobooks found me in 2012. I had to get set up and my setup has been stable and solid, I would say since 2013, 2014. So that means I have a booth, you know, I've, I have a, a good mic, et cetera, et cetera. I have all the stuff. And <clears throat> I stayed in L.A. because I wanted to pursue other things. I've done uh, Call of Duty, Black Ops 3. Um, I really wanted to get into promo and stuff like that. And so I, I've been training every chance I can get. So when the pandemic shut us all down, I still fortunately had books in the queue to do. You know, there were a couple that 
Um, so I, I lost a couple of those because I, I got sick, and a couple of those had to be um, rearranged and rescheduled while I was recovering. And then I, I, I just I think I just had this sense that I, without talking to anybody, because you know who was there to mm-hmm. talk to, um, I really had this strong sense that I needed to upgrade everything. So despite, I, I mean, I've had websites for years for commercial VO and also audiobooks. Um, <clears throat> my mic was decent, etc. But since the pandemic has hit, I have, um, I just started paying somebody for SEO, search engine optimization. So to really go under the hood of my website and make sure that if people are looking for a voice talent in this country, they can find me. And I upgraded my microphone. That was almost accidental. An engineer had called me into his studio because he wanted to introduce his studio to me. Essentially, he wanted to know if I wanted to record my audiobooks there. Mm. And um, I didn't. You know, it, it's it's just not cost-effective. I make a certain amount per finished hour of audio, so if I have to carve out some of that money to pay for an engineer, when I can do it all yeah, at home... Yeah, what's the point? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. But... I took that opportunity to directly test my microphone against his, fell in love with his microphone, purchased it. Then I went down the internet rabbit hole, watched a YouTube 18-minute thing, this guy talking about my new mic, which is the Austrian Audio OC818. No, I'm not making money from them. It's a beautiful (laughs) microphone. And um, he... The guy who was doing the YouTube breakdown on the mic, he reached over and he he said, and now I'm going to run my microphone through the uh, Rupert Neve, which it turns out is a famous preamp. This is how geeky I have become. Thank you, audio gods. (laughs) So he flips on his new pre and I lost my mind because I had worked, when I worked in the news at DWTV, the microphones in the studios were all the Neumann U87. Mm-hmm. It's a storied microphone. And I have been missing that sound. So suddenly I heard the Austrian audio, OC818, <laughs> running through this Rupert Neve. And I was like, oh, there's my sound. So I did it. I, I, I did the whole thing. And I guess the point is what I've done is I have... I got the source connect, you know, I, I, I got myself set up more efficiently because what the pandemic did was it also interrupted the publishers, audiobook publishers were suddenly dealing with completely different book publishing schedules because authors can no longer live tour. So books have not been coming in as frequently and um, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing, which is evaluating my marketing strategy, looking at my website. I signed up. I'm doing four months of SEO with a professional SEO company. I, I can now brag about my, my beautiful microphone. <laughs> and if you really want to talk preamps, I will go there so hard, so fast. And um, yeah, so that's what happened. And and funnily enough, one of my, I'll end with this, one of my main employers, I adore them, Tantor Audio, 
um, the head of Tantor, she reached out to me and she, right at the beginning of the pandemic, well, a couple of months in, and she said, how are you doing? And I wrote back to her and I said, to be honest, I'm sort of used to the at-home alone thing, right? Just because of the nature of producing audiobooks, which is just hours on your own in the booth. Um, but I never could imagine that the whole world would suddenly now be sharing. Like, I felt like an outlier. Most audiobook narrators I know feel like, you know, not boo-hoo, woe is me, but, oh my God, I'm in my booth. I'm still in my booth. Get me out of my booth. <laughs> yeah. Where's humanity? And now suddenly everybody's having this experience. So I know for a fact none of us wished it on anybody, but it, it was certainly kind of a weird, uh, you know, it, it was just a weird uh, weird for everybody, but for me, it was weird realizing that now I wasn't alone in my isolated, weird experience. Mm-hmm. Now Definitely. everybody was. So well, I know, um, especially for LA and New York markets, the pandemic was a big, you know, jolt as far as going to yeah. record things because there were still a lot of studio yeah. sessions. And John, I know you do a lot of yeah. commercial, um, but. All of a sudden, you had every agent out there saying, you have to have a home studio. You have to have Source Connect. Mm. Um, was it a big adjustment for, for you and for your other, you know, VO colleagues out there? A for your thoughts. It wasn't a big adjustment for me because, like I told you, when I first got into voiceover and I saw uh, what the Internet and home studios had done to change the industry, uh, I got myself set up that way. Uh, almost immediately. So um, the, the, the early stages of my career, I had a home studio, uh, and it has evolved with me over time. But um, mm-hmm. when the pandemic hit and lots of people who uh, were accustomed to recording in studios outside their home found themselves out in the cold because they didn't have a home studio or they didn't have Source Connect set up, I, I didn't have that problem. Yeah. Um, because I was I was ready to go. Um, the thing that was a bummer for me was uh, shortly into the pandemic, um, my agent William Morris uh, they closed their entire voiceover department. Yeah. As I'm sure you've heard. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, that was amazing. Shockingly oh my and gosh. inexplicably, uh, and so that yeah. really cut off a lot of my biggest opportunities. So um, that was kind of a shock, and that's been maybe one of the the, the worst things about the p- pandemic as far as my career goes. Who are you with now, John? Uh, I haven't found another L.A. agent. Can I ask you something, John? Can sure. I, uh, do you think, did WME shut down because of the Voices.com purchase of VoiceBank? Like, was, was, has VO in general been so shaken up by that seismic shift I mean, I I don't know if that was what was involved in their decision. Mm -hmm. And they're certainly not out of the voiceover game altogether. Of course, they have tons of celebrity clients, and uh, they're not going to give that up. What they gave up was uh, uh, scale voiceover, basically. Anybody that's, you know, a regular uh, middle-class VO, uh, (laughs) those people were were, uh, deemed uh, not useful anymore. Or did they? Mm. I, I think maybe they just thought that that part of the business wasn't profitable for them anymore. And um, would you say that's because of the proliferation of the pay-to-plays, like Voice One Two Three and Voices.com, completely 
I mean, let's face it, it broke the spine of the VO industry from the agent's perspective. L.A., Chicago, Atlanta, New York, a couple of years ago when they purchased, and just four days ago, I mean, I'm sure everybody here has heard about this, um, Voices.com is not hosting any agent accounts anymore as of December 31st. I mean, the industry right now, they went through that huge shift when Voices.com purchased VoiceBank, which was the main artery of a million auditions and how all agents worked. And now, as of a few days ago, they put out a notification saying no more union jobs will be going along wow. that wow. artery. So wow. the the VO world right now has just, it's this is the third seismic shift. And we're probably not done yet. <laughs> oh, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I don't disagree, but you're right. You're right. It's who knows what's next. But one thing, I don't know how you, Kevin, and you, Bobby, or you, John, feel about this, but, you know, people are adapting very quickly, it seems to me. Like, I have people coming from all aspects of the industry. Like, uh, you were asking, Kevin, you know, what has been the changes, the notable changes in L.A. Once on-camera actors got sent home. So a lot of my new students in audiobook and voiceover, I teach both, commercial voiceover, they're, a lot of them are on-camera actors, and they're like, all right, so where do I plug in the microphone? <laughs> but they're trying. They're really trying because they're agents. Yeah. These are the only auditions they have for them. Or they're pivoting completely, and they're like, all right, it's audiobooks for me. So... So for me personally, you know, I've, I've had this blessed, like John was saying, you know, I've been set up and ready to go. But what I've observed from my weird Zoom standpoint is that, and because we're all online now, so I get students now from all across the country, everybody's either shifting to uh, the microphone if they were on camera or on stage or film. A lot of people are reaching for a microphone, and that's what they're... Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm just sort of babbling, but the VO industry is is right now, as we speak, dealing with the fallout of um, the pandemic um, and on-camera actors, brand name... You know, I, if you listen to commercials today, I don't know what what you think about this, but I'm hearing a lot of celebrity voices. A lot of it's story. been that way for a long time, Krista. And, yeah. You know, th it's funny. There's a parallel. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the country music documentary that uh, Ken Burns did, but it's, I don't know, 10, 12 part series, but just fascinating. And you see the cycle of country music and you see the evolution of country music. And all along the way, all the contemporaries were complaining about these new, you know, all the current artists were complaining about all these new artists coming in. Oh, the mm -hmm. music's changing. It's all changing. It's all going different. I see a parallel with voiceover because if you've seen some of the older documentaries about voiceover and how all these on-screen actors who were doing so well, and I'm going back to the 70s, um, all these on-screen actors were doing so well, and then they realized they could go to a studio, don't have to worry about makeup, don't have to worry about memorizing lines. They can go into a booth and make almost as much cash 
doing voiceover work and making a big career out of voiceover. So that's been going on right. uh, for a long time, but we're still right. seeing it. Yeah. And, and the evolution continues. And it, it's the same, you know, parallel with country music. It, it's like, you know, Toby Keith it was complaining about Luke Bryan. And now Luke Bryan's going to be complaining about, you know, the next sound that, that comes up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it's the same for voiceover, is it not? There's the facts. I agree. Totally. Yeah. And that's why I said it's, you know, it's going to change again. It's it's just there's a lot of jobs out there. Um, and that's the good thing is that that continues to increase. So we really can't complain. What we have to complain about is we just have more competition. But um, my agent put something on um, Twitter this week and said, don't worry about everybody else. You know, someone getting this much more work than you or you're not booking, stay in your lane and your time is coming and just be confident. And I thought, That's, I just got to keep saying that. Yeah, so, I agree you know, with you, Bobby. I, I, it's all about changes. Yes. And once my dad, he was, you know, I showed up in L.A., too old and not svelte. And he was like, there's 18 million 18-year-olds out there busting their humps. And I finally, after eight months of this, I looked at him and I said, Dad, they have nothing to do with me. Right. So as long yeah. as we stay focused, and uh, if if I may, I would just like to give a little shout out to J. Michael Collins's blog. He is uh, literally this week's episode or his blog post is exactly an overview of what's going on in the VO industry, and he interviews Joe Cipriano, Carrie Olson, and David Walsh. And as crazy as it all is right now, it's a very hopeful, because just like what you were saying, Bobby, there is a lot of work. In fact, it's going to be increasing. Think of all the education that right now as we speak, educators are scrambling to get their stuff online. Mm -hmm. So exactly. for the bread and butter of corporate narration, e-learning, explainer videos, there is, you know, there is work to do. And as I say to my students who come and because we, we talk about, you know, the increased competition and these big brand names adding value to other brands, I say, all right, but, you know, you're eight miles ahead of everybody else. You are working on your tech and you're working on your technique. You are learning how to adjust for the medium, right? Because no matter where we come from, we still have to learn how to work with the microphone, through the microphone, at the microphone. And right. that takes training. Yeah. So I'm curious um, that we have both of you here, and Kevin, you can add to this too. Being what we just said, what is, if you had to break down your bookings, what's your percentages as far as self-marketing, agent work, pay-to-plays if you do them, and your own website? For me, it's mostly self-marketing at this point. Um, most of the work I get is either from somebody I've just met either through email marketing or social media or someone that's hired me before and is coming back to me um, far more than agency or pay-to-play bookings. And I do play in both of those arenas, but more of my work comes from uh, um, my, own, my own efforts and my own initiative. That's great to hear. Yeah. And I, I'm right wow. there with you, John. Um, it's, you know, the majority of my work coming in right now is from recurring clients, you know, stuff I've hustled on my own and established, you know, over my 15, 16 year, you know, 
stint uh, doing VO full time. It's just, you know, you cultivate the clients that you have. And, you know, studies show that you will earn more money from current clients than any new clients. And obviously, you got to get the new clients. But you will earn more money by far from your current clients than you will getting new clients. It's been slow for me this year, but but this July was, I think, my biggest month ever. Uh, and oh, it really? was fueled wow. largely by the return of a client that I haven't worked with in three years. And uh, the work that I got from them three years ago was fantastic, and it was a great gig. And uh, they got me a bunch of political spots uh, um, in July that really, really helped and were a big boost. And like I said, they're people I've kept in touch with for years and not, not had any work from them. So uh, it goes to show you that it's really important that you maintain those relationships and maintain connections with people you've worked with before, because you never know, uh, when you're just what they're looking for now. And and this would be a good time for you to tell everybody listening now what your big your big character is that yeah. you got this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this booking actually happened uh, just before the pandemic came around, so that's when I actually booked it, and uh, we 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 did uh, it was done by Source Connect, so it was done right here in the Malone Zone. Um, um, but I am playing the character of Sonny, the, uh, Raisin Bran mascot in, in a Raisin Bran crunch commercial. That's amazing. That's, it's. Do it, do it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That'll be a grand, Bobby. (laughs) I know. Jay, when people do that, they will. (laughs) Do the thing, do the voice. Come on, do it, do it. Yeah. That's great, man. That's congratulations <laughs> on that gig. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, fabulous. Awesome. It, while we've got a, a little break in the action, I do want to tease that coming up in just a couple of minutes, we are going to hear a uh, nightmare session story from John, a uh, story about a session that could not possibly have gone more wrong. Uh, and then we're also <laughs> going to challenge Krista with a cold read challenge coming up in just a sec. Krista, what... Uh, you know, you, you've done hundreds of audiobooks. Um, is there a piece of work in audiobook or otherwise that you are particularly proud of? Tell us more. I'm so grateful you asked the question. And at the moment, to be honest, every book is 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 a journey. It sounds so cliche that it's almost it's hard to choose. Uh, my favorite fiction or one of my top three, would be um, a book called 40 Rooms by Olga Grushin. She wrote, it's just a stunning inside look of a woman exploring her creativity and coming up against her biology. So essentially a writer losing her muse as she as she gravitates towards domestic life, married life, and it's so elegant and beautifully written. It was uh, such a great experience. And in nonfiction, I would say a book I recently got to narrate called Learning from the Germans. And it was what started waking me up. It was the racial history of the United States (laughs) explained Mm. by this brilliant philosopher, Susan Nyman, and I just realized how many gaps I had in my education. 
and I had a decent oh. education, and I, I was reading and narrating this book. She essentially said that uh, the wound that we have suffered since the beginning of this time in this country is our inability to deal with our racial history. And she said, so look at the Germans over there after World War II. What happened and how did they cope with healing from the wound of Nazism? So anyway, it was a, an enormous and very lucid exploration. And I'm really grateful I got to narrate that book. And I'm also grateful about all that I learned. And it did make me kind of want to write to my history teachers and be like, where were you? <laughs> you yeah. sleep at the switch? This is so, this is news to me. It's the first time I realized that there were one, two, if not 15 different Americas. And I know that sounds so naive, but I, honest to God, it was the first time I thought, oh, there are people all around me who live in a different version of what I always took for granted. It was eye-opening. That's pretty cool. Fantastic. We have a little elite club here. Um, we're all Sobus winners. What? Congratulations, Whoa. by the way. Wow. <laughs> do, do any of you even remember that 30-second walk down to the stage? <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> it was like, I don't remember what I said. I just remember looking at Kevin going, oh. oh. Congratulations. <laughs> but uh, my, my question, what I was getting to, are you going to attend the virtual um, Sobus this year? I plan to. Yeah, I think we got to try to defend our title, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. Well, I have to say, um, I was an accidental winner. I found out that a book I had briefly, I mean, embarrassingly briefly appeared on, was up for an award. And my girlfriend went and she texted me. I won't say the expletive, but you bleeping won. (laughs) So that's how I found out. I love it. Um, But this year I submitted uh, a title. So, yeah, I think I I will attend. Awesome. Virtually. That's great. Well, um, without further ado, John, we're going to put you on the spot. Um, we, we like to have uh, voice actors tell stories about nightmare sessions that they had. Uh, Bobby and I have shared many throughout our uh, podcast history. John, tell us uh, about a particularly uh, session that, w- uh, that went really bad for you. Nightmare Sessions! Well, the one that springs to mind... Uh, actually occurred relatively recently, um, and it's been during the pandemic. And I think uh, maybe even a direct result of it. It was uh, it was shortly after the stay-at-home order, um, and uh, it might have been one of my first Source Connect sessions after the stay-at-home oh, order no. went into effect. Ouch! And um, but the thing is that I had had a successful Source Connect session shortly before that with the Raisin Brand. Uh, people and that all went fine. So uh, you know, I thought everything was going to be great. This was for a video game, um, a- and it was a client I'd worked with before twice, and so they were bringing me back uh, to do more of this character and other characters. So I was feeling pretty confident since my Source Connect session had gone well 
uh, earlier and they'd used me before. They're calling me back in. And every time I'd ever worked with them had been in studio. So this was the first time that I was going to be doing a remote Source Connect session with them. And I thought, well, this is my chance to show them because they were scrambling to get people because usually everything that they did was in studio. So I thought, well, this will be a chance for me to show them that I'm set up, that I'm equipped and that I'm ready for remote recording. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it was uh, uh, some tech problem on my end, if it was a problem with Source Connect. But for whatever reason, I could hear them fine, but they were just having a hard time hearing me. Oh, no. <sighs> and uh, we could not figure out what it was about. We had no idea. So uh, I hunted everything down. I tried every setting, every switch, every cable, everything. And it just wasn't happening. And so it was enormously embarrassing. And it was blowing what I thought was my chance to impress them. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we made it work. Uh, I started rolling on my end. And I said, you guys won't be able to record, but I can record everything here from my studio. And I'll just get direction from you. And uh, we'll see how this goes. So we did the session. It, for them, it was like hearing me through a tin can. But on this end, it was recording fine. And I sent them the recording and they were happy and the checks cleared and everything. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what matters. Right. That's what matters. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, it, it was, it was salvaged, but boy, was it really stressful. And you better yeah. believe Ooh. that I was on the phone with Source Connect trying to make sure I got everything sorted out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, and you know what's funny, John? To make you feel a little bit better is I had a session recently in the last two months with an L.A. studio. And the first about 30 minutes of the session was them trying to figure out getting uh, people patched in for direction. Yeah. Mm. They were having the worst time. So, you know, that should give us some solace as voice actors that it's not always us. No, it's not. In fact, I had uh, uh, an audio description session with an L.A. studio a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they could hear me fine, but for some reason their audio coming to me was had constant interruptions, so it Ugh. made it difficult for me to hear their direction, and uh, occasionally I'd miss a beep. You know, they give you uh, beeps so that you can uh, mm -hmm. jump in when you need to, and occasionally I'd miss a beep because th there were interruptions in the signal. Um, they didn't really notice. They didn't really notice there was a problem, but I sure did. So again, I got on the phone with Source Connect, who, by the way, their, their support is fantastic. Um, they called me back. We went through everything and all my settings were fine. So they said, well, who's the studio? And I told them who the studio was and they went and they checked the history, uh, of our connection. Wow. And they said, you know, well, it, both of your ports were open, but they only had one port open. And, ah. and, and it was their send, their send, their receiving port. So they were receiving my audio just fine, but their sending port was not open. And so there were constant interruptions. So that was on them. Uh, so it made me realize, like you said, Kevin, that, uh, sometimes it's them. Yeah. And always record. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay. Now it is time to put Krista on the spot. I'm ready. Krista. I <laughs> yeah. I, I just sent you an email to your, uh, liquidbells at gmail.com account. Yep. Uh, it's time for the cold read challenge. Cold read challenge. <laughs> Krista, if you would, um, 
pull up the email. Let me know when you got it. Got and it. And just uh, when you just read the direction out loud, and then if I could ask you to just dive in. Right. <laughs> Proper, majestic, formal. Here we go. This goes out to all the women in the world, especially her. You know, it don't even matter your age, don't even matter your color. Your fellas, I ain't forgot about y'all. This is for everybody who like to dance. Just listen to what I'm saying and do it, and take a chance. I put my hand upon your hip. When I dip, you dip. We dip. You put your hand upon my hip. When you dip, I dip. We dip. You put yours, and I put mine, and we can get down low and roll it around. Sorry. <laughs> Please tell me y'all know that song. <laughs> that was genius. I put my hand upon your hip. When I dip, you dip. We dip. You put your. Y'all know that song. <laughs> I do not know oh. that song. <laughs> oh, it's called "The Freak Nasty." It was from uh, I don't know, early two thousands, something like that. I dip, you dip, you dip. <laughs> Bobby, you know so that, right? Yes, I've heard it. Yes, it took me a minute, but yeah. Oh my gosh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Yay, Krista, that was that awesome. Was awesome. You. That well song's done, been in my head like, lately. But you know what's so funny is like last night I had that song rolling around in my head, and I'm like, you know what? This would make a brilliant. Tostitos commercial. <laughs> I put my hand upon your chip. When I dip, you dip, we dip. You put your hand upon my chip. That's when you fabulous. dip, I dip, we dip. Oh, man. Yes, hey. Brilliant. Contact the agents. Oh, man. Thank y'all so much for being on the Middle Class VO podcast. Uh, Krista, I know you do some coaching, and I thought it was very interesting and very cool that during this pandemic, you are doing some coaching on a donation-only basis. Would you like to expound on that? Oh yeah, really briefly. Um, when when we all went into lockdown, I um, I was teaching in person Monday nights, and I just went online. I started my I took my boot camp online for the Monday night class, and I I don't know. It was just I thought, how am I going to save myself? <laughs> I have a million years of experience, and. It just, I just had to save myself in this pandemic. And so I just said, that's it. I'm doing this audiobook class. It's donation only. Uh, my VO class is donation only during the pandemic. And um, I just, it's none of my business. Some people donate, some people don't. Some people donate a little bit. Whatever it is, it's been, it's been absolutely important. And so I had this image. This is my, I had this image. I just imagined that. When this pandemic is over, you know those great shots when the astronauts in the movie, they walk away from the rocket ship, right? They come out of that rocket fog. I just had this image yeah, of all yeah. these voice actors <laughs> swinging their mics, walking out of the rocket fog. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. Those are my kids. <laughs> uh, because this, it just made me mad. And it was just my way to kind of survive it. So, so yeah, so I, I do that. That's awesome. amazing. John, how about you? Anything that, that you want to promote or add um, to the discussion before we head out of here? I guess the only thing I'll promote is my website, which is MaloneZone.com. You've just entered 
the Malone Zone. <laughs> phenomenal. I love it. Oh, thanks so much, guys, for being on. And, and if you want to contact Krista for booking opportunities, you can go to KristaLewis.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-L-E-W-I-S.com. And uh, thanks so much for being on, guys. Such a blast. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having us. This was a great time. Thanks. It's a privilege. The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's Hair and Makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's Wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast.